Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. I've got a question. I want to start our Bible study off, guys, with a question, okay? I like to start our study off with a question, but let me, let me just see if you have, uh, can answer this question. Have you ever in your life made a bad or lousy decision? All right, have you ever in your life made a bad? And I know you're, you're, you're chuckling to yourself, but, but I bet you're thinking, what do you mean a bad decision? I've made more than I can actually count. I mean, I've just, oy vey, are you kidding me? Listen, I think it's safe to say that all of us in this room have made some bad or lousy decisions, some more than others. But allow me for just a moment to make you feel better. Let me, let me just ask you, have any, you guys made some bad decisions in your life, right? Yeah. Let me make you feel better. Okay. Let me make you feel better. Um, check out these decisions that some, that these people have made. In 1955, Sam Phillips of Memphis, Tennessee sold to RCA Records his exclusive contract for a relatively unknown singer whose future he wasn't quite sure. His name? Elvis Presley. That's a bad decision, is it not? How about this one? 17 publishers turned down the book MASH that later went on to be a box office movie or hit movie as well as a very successful syndicated television show. In June 1938, Action Comics introduced Superman. He was the creation of two men who believed that some money in their pocket was more valuable than a comic character in a book and sold their rights to the publishers for $130. In the mid-1960s, General Motors launched a new compact Chevrolet, the Chevrolet Nova in Mexico. They couldn't understand why in the world these such well-designed and economical cars didn't sell in Mexico. Well, they discovered that Nova in Mexico means doesn't go, right, in Spanish. So they just didn't sell any bad decisions. Now, listen, church, listen, we've all been there, right? We've all made some bad decisions. Some decisions can be recovered really um, without, uh, basically, they can be recovered with a, with a lot of difficulty or embarrassment, and others, well, they can cost us greatly. But let me tell you this, okay? There's one area, church, listen, that we can't afford to make a bad decision on, and that's what God wants to do in and through our lives. If we miss that, church, listen to me, we miss it all. You go, Pastor, what are you talking about? Guys, we have been called to shine the light of Jesus in a very, very dark world. And let me tell you this, church, it's getting darker and darker by the day. And that's what God has called us to do, to shine the light. You go, what, is ex- what, what exactly does that mean? Okay, well, here's, let me break it down for you, church. Listen, if you're a believer here today, Here's your calling. You ready? You are called to love the unlovables. It's the ones that people go, oh, yuck, no, ooh, boo, yuck. It's the unlovables. You know what we're also called to? We're called, guys, to love people to life. You go, what does that mean? Well, it means sharing the love of Jesus, guys, with everyone. Sharing the love of Jesus. You see, here's the problem, guys. We live in a world that doesn't think Jesus is real because they don't see how real he is in our lives. And we're called to love people to life. We're also called to what? To love people back to life. You know what that means. We say it a thousand times. Pastor, back to life? What does that mean? That means there's some people, guys, who have lost their way. And there's some, there's some I mean, there's, there's some people who have stumbled, and they've fallen, and they've walked away from God. They're struggling with God. They don't know what's going on, and he's called you and I to go and be that lending hand to help them up, to help them see the light, to help them see the road. That's what he's called us to do, right? So here's my thought. Here's my thought. We talked about this last week, but how, church, will there ever be reconciliation in peace in the world if we only love our friends or those who are easy to love. How is that? I mean, how are we going to change the world? 
I mean, that's exactly what he called it. This things won't change. Things will not change in our homes or in our worlds or in our neighborhoods or in our city or in our state, guys, unless we love those that the world says unlovable. Unless we love and we practice a different kind of love. You go, what kind of love? A love that God teaches. A love that God teaches us to practice. You go, what kind of love is that? Well, first and foremost, it's, it's a selfless love. It's not about us anymore. You see, you see, we've got it wrong at times. We thought church was about us. Hey, I'm coming to church. All right, now, entertain me, or whatever we might think. But the church has never been about us. It's been about Jesus. And, and if we can practice that kind of love, you go, what, is it, what does that look like? It looks like it's different for every one of us. But at times, it might be where you give somebody, I mean, you buy somebody's meal, you you might take a blessing bag from from right outside the doors there and 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 give it to somebody silver and gold have I none but here let me just give you some things that you might need guys it's it's different for everyone but it's not going to change unless it's selfish love and it's a sacrificial love what's that did you know that kind of love takes sacrifice sacrifice Oh, pastor, you know, you had me. I was like, I'm all in until you said sacrifice. But, but stop, stop, stop. Listen, think about the love that Jesus gave for us. It was a sacrificial love. All the way to the cross, he sacrificed himself so that we could be reconciled to him. That's a sacrificial love. He, he, he was in heaven. He was, he's complete without us. And he goes, no, I'm going to go down because I want to reconcile you guys to me. That's God's love. So my thought is, well, guys, we can't afford to make a bad decision when it comes to loving people. In fact, if you're taking note, it's a command from God. You go, how so? Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 28. Let me pick up the story. There's a lawyer, and he stood up, and he's testing Jesus, right? They did that a lot. There's a lawyer, and, 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 and he says, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And to me, I'm like, good question. I think that's a lot of, that's a question a lot of us should be asking. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Good question, Mr. Lawyer. The problem was, is that I don't know if he was sincere, he was just trying to test Jesus. So Jesus said to him, hey, what is written in the law? And what is your reading of it? And so he answers, here's his answer, right? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. How do I, how do I have eternal life? What's the first thing? You guys want eternal life? Here it is. He says, love God. Love God with every breath and every thought and every, every blink. With every heartbeat, you're loving God. You're loving God. Pastor, I don't know how. Take that step of faith. I'm just going to trust you, God. I'm going to walk in you today. I'm going to get up and I'm going to do those things that, that you want me to do. I'm going to surrender my heart to Jesus. Guys, listen. 2017, February 1st, this is not the time to be playing church. This is not the time to be playing games. A lot of the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees, they always wanted to play games with God. By what authority do you do? I mean, they were just playing games with God. And I'm thinking, that's not. this is not the time. This is the time for us to do a heart check and go, I'm in, I'm in, okay? Let me explain it this way. Let's say that from this platform, this is the pool, okay? Ever, Ever go to a pool and you don't know how cold the water is? What do you do? You stick your big toe in, right? You're like, whoo, right? And then you're trying to decide, should I get in? I don't know. It's cold, the sun out, I don't know. Let me try again. Here's what God's saying. Jump in the pool. Right? Go back, hold your nose, and full flight, jump in the pool. That's what God is doing. He says, guys, we need to play all in. Listen, from whatever age, if you're in sixth grade or you're in 60th grade, jump in the pool. Jump in the pool. The water's fine. There's a lot of us swimming going, get in here. This is amazing. This is amazing. So what's the first thing we do? We love God. Can I get an amen? Amen. But then he says something else. What does he say? He says, but love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Two things that stand out to me on that, right? What's God, what's Jesus telling us? He's saying that we need to love people. 
We need to love people as much as we love ourselves. We need to love people. And, and, and granted, guys, we do love ourselves. I know there's the occasional, I hate myself, you know, or whatever it might be. But we really do love ourselves. We do. We think about ourselves. We think right now, you're thinking, boy, my stomach's growling. I'm hungry. I wonder how long pastor's going to go because I'm hungry. I wonder if Rosa's will be open. See, now I'm tempting you with food, right? There you go. Uh huh. Boom. See, that was a spirit right there. That's all anointing. That's all anointing. We love ourselves, guys, but here's what, the, here's what the Bible says, that you need to love people the way you love yourself. We need to love people the way you love yourself. As a matter of fact, Paul reiterates this in Romans chapter 13, verse 10. He says, love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Love does no harm. And that, church, is where we find our boy Jonah. Where? God had commanded him, arise, Jonah, go, go. So here's what we learned so far. You ready? The first chapter, the first few verses, really speaks of, of Jonah's disobedience to his divine call. Some suggest, hey, maybe Jonah was the widow's son brought back to life in Elijah or, or uh, by life by Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 17, but we don't really have any concrete ev- evidence. However, we do know that Jonah was no novice. 2 Kings chapter 14 tells us that Jonah was a prophet and a servant of the Lord for what he predicted came to pass. So Jonah wasn't like, hey, I just got out of prophet school. I'm in. You know, what do I need to do? He was, he was already walking. He was already seeing these things, church. He lived in Israel. In fact, how many of you remember what his name means? His name means dove, right? That's what his name means, dove. And dove signifies a messenger. And we are told that he's the son of Amittai, which stands for truth. So he was a messenger of truth. Whose truth? God's truth. So Jonah, Jonah's no joke. Jonah's no joke. He, it was by God's word that Jonah, the king of Jeroboam, extended the boundaries of Israel. It was his job as a prophet of God. It was his job to listen to God, then communicate to the people. So when we read verse 1, it's no surprise that we say, and the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Of course, what was his job? His job was to hear the word of the Lord, to be obedient, and to move forward. That's what he does. But the problem is, after verse 2, guess what Jonah does? Jonah bugs out, guys. Jonah quits. He resigns. He cashes in his 401k. He says, I'm out of here. I'm not doing that. Right? He took his prophet badge, if you will, and laid it at the desk of the... I mean, he's done. He's like, I'm out. I'm not going to do this. That's exactly what he did, guys. God said, hey, listen, let's go. And you could say right here, if you're not afraid to write in your Bible, or you're not afraid to write in your neighbor's Bible, here's what you were right. Jonah just made a bad decision. Jonah just made a bad decision. Now, for the sake of our study, let's pick it up in verse 1, but we're going to spend most of our time in verse 3. You ready? Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Now, listen. Okay. So Jonah makes a bad decision, but we... Before we jump and, and, and we admonish Jonah, we need, to, we need to learn some stuff about the Ninevites, okay? I mean, we really do. And here's what I want to do. I want to compare, in a way, the Ninevites and their wickedness to those who haven't come to Jesus yet. We call them un- unregenerate sinners, but amen, we were there. That was us before. A lot of us have been walking with God a long time, and we don't remember what it was like to 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 be that. I mean, we we, we just been in church so long. We're just like, yeah, I don't remember. I think I got saved when I was like two and a half. I thought, well, you know, I kind of waddled to the front and said, Jesus, you know. I mean, we just forget that. Now I'm being silly, but but the point is, is okay. So so here's the Ninevites. Okay, here they are, guys. There, it, it's the Assyrian Empire. And you remember in our book of Hosea, Assyria is going to come in, and in judgment, they're going to come and wipe out Israel. They're the enemy. You all have, hopefully you don't have any enemies, but, if, but being a believer, you probably do. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? It's your enemy, right? 
the problem is, is it wasn't just, it wasn't just your neighbor across the street who played loud music and, and destroyed their yard with beer cans. I mean, it wasn't just, it wasn't just like, are you kidding me? I've got to get up at four and you're having a party and I can't sleep and, and there's cops everywhere. It's not that. These dudes were wickedly cruel. They were just, I mean, it was just like, wow. When you read some of the stuff they did, guys, they would build, they would kill their enemies and then they would take their skulls and build a pyramid in the front. Huge sign that says, if you mess with us, look where your head's, you know. Look what's going to happen. I mean, they would, they would take their enemy and fillet them. Skin them alive and then just impale them on a pole and then just simply let them die. I mean, I mean, it wasn't just, you, you see what I'm saying? I mean, it was just like, they were just like, man, whew. Let me, let me just share with some of the stuff that they did with you real, real quick. They flung away bodies of soldiers so much like clay. They made human pyramids of, of skulls. They burned cities, how they filled populous lands with death and devastation. They redded their broad deserts with carnage of warriors. They scattered the whole country with corpses of their defenders as chaff. Could you imagine? I mean, how they impaled heaps of men on stakes. Uh, I mean, they would cut off their heads of the kings and nailed them on the walls and left their body to rot with bears and dogs at the entrance of the city. Okay, so when we talk about Nineveh, wow, Jonah, yes, Lord. I want you to do something for me. I'm in, Lord. I'm in the pool. What do you want me to do? I want you to go to Nineveh. You're kidding. You're kidding. I Listen, if we're shooting straight, I, I'm probably the same way. I'm probably the same. God calls me, Ben, go to Lubbock. Oh, yeah. Let's go. Lubbock is great. Are you kidding me? Ben, I want you to go to Iraq. What? I think my phone's not working, Lord. I didn't. I think you said Iraq. I think you wanted me to go to Baghdad, and you want me to witness. Lord, you want me to go to Syria? You want me to go to Damascus right now and proclaim the gospel? You see, you see how it is, right? Okay, you go, well, Ben, God's not calling me to Syria. God's not calling me to Iraq. God's not calling me to the Middle East. But what is God calling us to do? He's calling us to love, guys, the, the people in our city. And and some of them are, some of them don't smell too good, do they? Some of them don't treat us too good, do they? Some of them, they're hard to love. Some of them treat you bad because you're a Christian. Pastor Terry was saying, you know, he, he's grew up, in this area his whole life. And he said, he said, you know, this is the Bible belt because it feels less and less like the Bible belt. Because when you tell somebody that you're a Christian, they're not, they're not like, amen, high five, brother. They're going, and they start listing off things that we're against. And, and so you can imagine guys, you can imagine why Jonah didn't want to obey the Lord. You can imagine Nineveh, Assyrians, Mm -mm. Who, for one, wouldn't want to wipe out the Assyrians? I mean, like, Lord, just wipe them out. Listen, the world is better off without them. They're just, they're horrible. They're horrible. But you realize that Jonah's disobedience doesn't stem from what? From God wanting to wipe out the Assyrians. You know what it stems from? It actually stems from God's mercy. He's going to disobey because he knows God is merciful. He knows that he's going to walk in. He knows that God is so amazing that, that, that they're going to get saved. They're going to get saved. Guys, listen, listen. I mean, Jonah knew that God would forgive and be merciful to the Assyrians. 
If they repented, God's going to forgive them. God's going to forgive them. So guess what he does? Guess what he does? He runs like Forrest Gump, right? He's going, mm-mm, right? And so he, he leaves. He makes a bad decision. He makes a bad decision. But let, can, can I share this with you? Can I share this with you? Here's what I'm thinking, okay? First of all, Jonah knows God. He knows God. He knows God so well that he goes, Lord, if I go, and it's not even a message of love, right? He's not going in going, you know, he's not going in singing Kumbaya, and he's not going in, you know, with a message of, oh, God loves you, Nineveh. He goes in with, hey, 40 days and y'all are done. That's his message. 40 days and y'all are wiped out. But he knows God, and he knows that God would save them. He knows that God would save them. Number two, do you realize, and this is going to help you, church, do you realize that God has already been preparing the Ninevites through the power of his Holy Spirit? He's already preparing them to receive the message. And you go, Pastor, your point? Listen, the person you're praying about, the person you're praying to invite to church, the person you're praying about witnessing, the person that you want to tell desperately about Jesus, the person that you need to minister to, be obedient because God has already been preparing them for what you're about to say. You're about to say. God's already preparing them. All God asks us to do is what? Is to be obedient. Just be obedient. Be willing. What does Isaiah say? Here am I. Send me. Send me. It's going to be a rough job. I know. Send me. Why? Guys, because our affections and love for Jesus Christ far outweigh anything that this life could ever possibly give. That's why. And if us, being sinners, know how to love, oh, oh. Well, let's take a look at the decision that Jonah made. Verse 3. But Jonah did do something, didn't he? But Jonah arose to flee to Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. And he went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarsus. And he paid the fare and he went down into it and to go with him to Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. Notice that it says that twice. Now we need to break down this verse. Why? Because first and foremost, church, listen, this is the only occasion in the Old Testament where a prophet of God refuses to do the will of God. God says, Jonah, go. And what does Jonah do? No. He goes in the opposite direction. See, Jonah thought he could win a foot race with the Lord, with the omnipresent Lord at that, and he will never win that race. So here's what we need to learn. See, God has many agencies at his disposal. You go, why? Well, no, first of all, the wind, the storm, even a big fish. Jonah will face a harrowing experience because he decided to say no instead of all go, all go. And yet, the verse starts off with a but, right? Jonah, yes, Lord, go, but Jonah, no. And you know what a but means? It's a a roundabout face word. Jonah saw himself as a square peg in a round hole, so he said, I'm out of here. I quit. I'm going to Tarshish. Now, check this out. Tarshish was about 2,500 miles to the west of the southern tip of Spain. Jonah's going to go to Spain. He's, He's... listen, Jonah, I want you to go to where? Nineveh. How far is Nineveh? About 500 miles. Jonah says, nope. I think I'm going to go 2,500 miles in the opposite direction. Because listen, I don't want to be in the presence of the Lord anymore. Says it twice in verse 3, in the present. And and of course, we're we're chuckling at this because it's like, can can you get away from the presence of the Lord? So what does Jonah do? Jonah goes down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish. I find that interesting. Why? Because God says, Jonah, go. And he's like, no. And he runs the opposite way. And all of a sudden he comes to the shore and he's like, there's a boat and it's going to Tarshish. (laughs) Score, right? If Jonah was modern day, he said, hashtag winning. That's what he thinks. He's going to, he's going to go. He's going to run. He's, I mean, think about it. And then I look at my boy Jonah and I think right now Jonah has no heart for the lost, does he? I think we can learn a lesson. Why? At this point, we could say that Jonah has lost that loving feeling. He had no interest in loving people back to life. He had no interest. 
He had a cold heart and cold feet to match. So where does he go? He goes to modern, he goes to Joppa, which is present day Jaffa. In about a month, a few of us from this church are actually going to fly into Tel Aviv and we're going to go down to Joppa and actually see the shore where Jonah left. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. So what does he do? He, he rationalized the whole situation, right? He's saying, if God is sovereign, if God has a, a sovereign hand, I found a ship and, and just what I needed, right? So no doubt, Jonah rationalized his sin away. Why? Because when God tells him to do something, he's a prophet of the Lord. And because he disobeyed, he's in, help me church, he's in rebellion. Rebellion is sin. And I started to think about this, right? So I thought, well, let's grab some application. Okay, you ready? The path of our sin in our lives is a lot like verse 3. Why? Because the moment you begin to walk down, guess what happens? It's always a downhill spiral. It's always the first step is down, and then every step there is down. You go, how so? What's the first thing we learn? Jonah went down to Jaffa. Then he went down into the ship. Down into the sides of the ship, down to the bottoms of the mountains under the sea, down into the entrails of a fish, and basically down to Sheol itself, we'll learn in the next coming weeks. Church, listen, listen, here's the application. When we partake in sin, when we flirt with sin, when we sin, it usually is the first step downward. 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 How did it start, church? You know how it starts? See, Jonah got up to run away from the presence of God. The presence of God. But his steps were downhill. Trying to flee, guys, trying to flee from the presence of God was his first mistake. That's the first mistake. I think it was David who wrote in Psalm 139, 7 through 10. He says, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? He's asking these questions, right? And then he says, if I ascend to heaven, you're there. And if I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea... Even there, your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. So guys, what's the, what's, really, what's the answer to that? Can we flee from the presence of the Lord? We can't. Think about this. Think about the Lord Jesus is with you everywhere you go. And the Lord Jesus sees everything you see. I mean, that blows my mind. Why? Because the presence of the Lord is everywhere. The presence of the Lord is everywhere. I'm just like, I'm blown away. Why? Because God is there. And he's so merciful and loving, but he's there. I'm just like, wow. So, so you mean if I go to Austin, God is there? Yeah. The presence of the Lord is there. You know what I find interesting too? This just blows my mind, guys. Check it out in verse 3. Did you know that Jonah paid the fare? Jonah actually paid the fare to run from God. I mean, he actually got his wallet out and said, all right, how much? Boom. He just paid the fare. I'm like, Jonah. Listen to the way the message puts verse 3. Listen to the way. Let's see how it goes. But Jonah got up and went in the other direction to Tarshish, running away from God. He went down to the port of Joppa, found a ship headed for Tarshish. He paid the fare, went on board, joining those going to Tarshish far away from God as he could get. Now, remember, the theme of this book is what? Obeying God's will brings blessing to us and to others through us, but disobedience brings discipline. So, With the remainder of our time, guys, we need to ask the question. We need to ask this question. You ready? How did this happen? 
You go, I'm sorry, Ben, what, what was the question? Okay, so the question I would ask is, those of us in here raised our hand, we've made some bad decisions, several of us, we've made some bad choices. But the question is, is how, did, how did this happen? How did Jonah make a bad decision to run away from God and run away from God's call on his life? I want to know, right? I want to know how this happens. You ready? Jot this down, simple. Jonah employed four attitudes which fueled him to make a bad decision. Four attitudes that we can learn and make sure we don't have. You guys ready? Okay. So if you're taking notes, I believe that if we first recognize and learn from these attitudes, we can avoid lousy decisions when it comes to what God is calling us to do. Four attitudes. You go, what are they? Okay. Number one, let's chat. Let's, let's talk. Jonah had the wrong attitude toward the will of God. Jonah had the wrong attitude toward the will of God. How so, Ben? God called Jonah to arise and go. People out there needed to hear the message that he was, he was about to bring. Yet, Jonah began to question God's will. How so? He reasoned within himself that the Lord, what the Lord was asking him to do is probably something impossible, right? Jonah forgot that the will of God is an expression of the love of God. And I think it's the same thing with us, guys. Our attitude toward the will of God. You see, God has given each one of us a message, a message to take to the world. You go, what's that message? I mean, he has put a message in our heart, a message of what? Help me, church. A message of love. A message of love. I don't know how I can say this with, with, with as much as importance as, as, as I can, but here's what I want you to grasp, church. Listen, listen. He's giving you a message of love because what's happening is that people don't see Jesus in a real way. He's also give us a message of what? A message of forgiveness. There's forgiveness for people out there. There's forgiveness for, for sins. Listen, do you realize that people are walking around, number one, they're walking away from God because of guilt? Because they made a bad choice and they walked away from God? Or they, I mean, we've all made bad choices. You guys tracking with me? Give me two minutes. Give me two minutes, okay? How many of you remember the woman at the well? You remember the woman at the well, right? How many husbands she have? She had five husbands, didn't she? She had five husbands, married and divorced, and she was living with the sixth one. And we sure, we have a good time admonishing her, don't we? Well, the woman at the well, ha. She went out by herself because she couldn't hang out with all the other gals. There was something about the one. You guys with me? But, but what if this woman the well just made a bad choice? You know, the life cycle, she just made a bad choice and it just continued on. I was thinking, I'm thinking about that. Why? Because life is hard. Life is hard and, and we make foolish choices and sometimes i mean guys people grow up in church and they get to a certain age and they say listen i've did everything you wanted to do now i'm 18 i'm gonna do what i want to do and they walk away from god and they make some bad choices as parents guys we never stop loving them we never stop loving them and yet they make some bad choices and they make some consequences to that choice but i'm thinking wow don't they deserve the same forgiveness we deserve? The church, Christians, are the only people who shoot their own wounded. You realize that, right? Somebody comes in and goes, Oh, I've been wounded by, I've just made some bad choices. Let me go, come over here, sit down in front. Grab the elders, ready? What'd you do? Oh, no, 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 you can't be a Christian. Kill him. We do that, don't we? That's not what God has called it. He's put a message in our heart, guys, a message of what? A message of love, a message of forgiveness. And how about a message of hope? How about a message of hope? 
You know, you can live what? You can live about, I think, eight minutes without air. Maybe. But you realize that you can't live one second without hope. Once you lose your hope, you're done. You're done. And God has put that inside you. So what does the Lord tell us? Here, here's the will of God. He says, here it is. You ready? Let's not have a wrong attitude about the will of God because the will of God is really simple, right? He says, you need to love who? Our neighbors of ourself, like ourselves. We need to love them. I think when we forget the will of God or we have a wrong attitude, that's the first step. How about the second step? You know what? Do you see that Jonah had the wrong attitude about the word of God? Right? Warren Wearsby writes this. When the word of the Lord came to him, Jonah thought that he could take it or leave it. However, when God commands us to do something, it's not an option. We must listen and obey. So many people today, they have an attitude that is really simple, guys. It's a take it or leave it attitude when it comes to the word of God. Hey, hey, listen, the word of God says this. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's good for you. Hey, listen, God's word says this in our lives. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah. I don't know. I'll take that. Guys, we, we, can't, we cannot take the word of God like we go through a buffet line, right? You know when you go, when you go to a buffet, what do you do? Oh, I, I, man, I want some of that. Put there. Uh, oh, what is that? Lima beans? Oh, no, I ain't no lima beans. Oh, yeah, but I want, you know, and we pick and choose in a buffet. But when it comes to the word of God, we sort of do the same thing. We kind of go, well, I like this verse. I like that verse. I don't like that verse. I don't like this verse. Jonah, guys, had the wrong attitude towards the word of God, right? Listen, guys, we make bad decisions in life when we fail to honor the word of God in our lives. I think Jesus told us in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, and, and this is powerful. You know what Jesus says? He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things I say? Wow. God, I love you with, I mean, and here you are, you know, and, and you're worshiping and you're just, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all, and you're just worshiping the Lord and you're just having a great time. And then he says, hey, Ben, I want you to do this. I want you to go and whatever he tells, whatever your, whatever your ministry is, God, ah. Uh. No, I don't think I'm going to do that, Lord. I, I, I don't think I heard you right. I don't think I heard you right. And he says, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, but not do the things I say? See, Jonah, guys, has, has what, a wrong attitude towards the word of God. How about number three? How about number three? You ready? Jonah had a wrong attitude towards circumstances. Circumstances. You go, how so? Read, let's read it again. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa. He found a ship that was going to Joppa. He had money, and so he paid the fare, and he went down into the ship, and the ship was going to go to Tarshish, 2,500 miles away from where he was, and from the presence of the Lord. Pastor, your point? Listen, here it is. You ready? It's possible, it is possible to be out of the will of God and have circumstances appear to be working on your behalf. It is possible to be out of the will of God and still have circumstances. You go, Pastor, what is going on? Jonah is in total rebellion toward God, and yet he still has a good night's sleep with a false sense of security. How do you know? Because the Bible's going to tell us that he's going to get in the ship, and where's he going to go? He's going to go nighty-night. Right? I mean, think about this. Think about this. God spoke to Jonah like he speaks to us. You go, well, I don't hear the audible voice. No, we have the word of God. We have, and God speaks to us. And he, and, and listen, guys, he speaks to us in that still small voice. He speaks to us in our quiet time. He speaks to us. And again, whatever you're going through, God will speak to you if you'll listen. If you'll take the time to really listen and pray and say, God, speak to me. What do I need to do in this? And what happens is that when Jonah said no, 
right? I mean, think about what he did. He's going, he's like, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to go 25 miles, 100 way. And he thought, what great providence God. Because why? Because there's a ship. It just so happens there's a ship. It just so happens I got paid yesterday and now I have money to go. It just so happens. Cool. Let's go. Circumstantially, he thought. Ever been there? Think about this. It was in the book of Hosea that Hosea's pronouncing judgment, right? And what did the people think? What did Israel think when he was pronouncing judgment? He thought they were cuckoo, right? He thought he, thought he was crazy. He thought he was nuts. Why? Because they're going, they're going, Hosea, what are you talking about judgment? Man, we, the, we've never been better. We've never prospered better. What do you mean repent? You know what? You're, you've lost it, dude. You, you need to... Why? Because everything looks so good on the outside that they thought there's no way that this was coming down the pipe. Jonah, guys, had the wrong attitude about circumstances. About circumstances. Guys, we can make a lousy or bad decision when we have the wrong attitude or towards circumstances. You might think something like this. If God wanted me to love people back to life, then he would bring them to me. I shouldn't have to go out there and find them. I mean, you know, I mean, that's just, just, wow. Number four. Jonah had the wrong attitude towards the Gentiles. Jonah had the wrong attitude, right? Instead of wanting Nineveh to be saved. His heart was cold to those who didn't believe like him. You know, it's in the book of Colossians that Paul tells us, guys, that there's um, it's something called sectarianism. And it's when we get in our holy huddles and we all gather together. And, and, and it's amazing, guys. I'm not, I'm not knocking fellowship. I think we need to get together and we need to have fellowship and we need to have fun. But when we do this with our eyes blinded to our neighbors and the world and what's going on around us, we all get together and, and we just say, okay, everybody get together. How are we doing? We're doing good. Oh, amen. How are you? Good. Oh, don't let your children pray with those children. They're, no, 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 no. Okay, stay right here. Everybody stay right here. Stay right here. And, and, and Paul says, he says, listen, in sectarianism, guys, we're, we're missing, we're missing. And here's, here's, listen, can, can we be honest in church? We have family. We have, fa- we all have family that is probably not saved. We all have family that's probably not saved. And we're praying for them. And, and I mean, it's just like, think about it. You go, well, Ben, they don't live in our city. They don't live in our state. They live on the other side of the world. Well, wouldn't you want a Christian, a next-door neighbor to go across and say, hey, how you doing? You guys want to come over for dinner? Listen, guys, sometimes with evangelism, you don't have to go over and go, you, you know, and just, and I mean, soapbox it up where you're just like, shame on you, and you're going to hell, and the Bible says this, and the Bible says You turn people off, but if you invite them to dinner, hey, come over to dinner. Let's just have a meal together. Let's sit at our table and, and, and listen and talk. Eventually, guess what? Eventually, they're going to ask, so what do you do? Oh, what do you, what do you do on the weekends? Oh, well, we go to church. Here it comes, honey. Here it comes. Here comes the invite. And, and you just lovingly, lovingly, lovingly. And they walk home and they go, that was strange. They were normal. They, they, were no, they were nice people. They didn't badger us to come to church. What's up with that? What's up with that? Maybe you'll go again. Maybe you'll go again. And they'll go again, right? And eventually they'll say, hey, you know what? We'll, we'll, we'll check out that church of yours. Because why, church? Listen, because God's already preparing them. And it's the same thing for us. It's the same thing for us. You know, Jonah, Jonah didn't want Nineveh to be saved. And I don't understand that. Why? Because eventually they're going to attack Israel. And I'm thinking, if anything, they should be saved. Why? Because they're ruthless. They're wicked. 
It's been said, guys, it's been said that God hates sin but loves the sinner. You ever hear that? Jonah hates sin and he hates the sinner. Better that Nineveh would be destroyed. Okay, here's where we get derailed, okay? Here's where we get derailed. We don't see the natural, we don't see in the natural the miracle of a transformed heart. So we abandon the thought of anyone really getting saved and changing. We don't see it. Guys, we've preached the gospel so many times, and yet there really hasn't been a change. And people say they're Christians, but we see no difference. And what's our job? Guys, our job is to love who? We're, we're called to love people. And there are two types of people. You ready? They're the unregenerate sinner. And here's what I put down on my notes. Ready? Those who have not come to Jesus yet. Everybody say yet. Because God's doing a work, is he not? What are we called to do, church? We're called to love them. We're called to love those who are now on opposite ends of the spectrums of our lives. We're called to love them. And it looks different for everybody. The second, we're, we really are called to love the sinner who's lost their way, someone who's been hurt or wounded, walked or ran away from God. Those who are deathly afraid to set foot in a church again, you've heard that. Oh, I won't. Those, I mean, guys, some have lost their footing and, and they fell. And some have made some bad choices. Let me just, let me illustrate it this way. If you went, if you went hiking with a friend and you went to a place where they had mountains, I know we don't have any around here, but you know, if we went to a place where they had mountains and you're walking and you're hiking and your friend whom you love, Okay, Joe, you're it because you're right there. Me and Joe are hiking. And, and, and Joe's, we're just talking. All of a sudden, Joe trips on a rock and he falls 10 or 15 feet, rolls down, and he's hurt. What kind of friend would I be if I leave, if I leave Joe there? Oh, see? Sorry, Joe. You know, I don't, I don't know what to tell you, but can I have your golf clubs? What kind of friend would I be? What, what do we do in the natural? I need to help my friend up. Joe, are you okay? Can you walk? You know, if I leave Joe right there, guys, Joe may never go hiking again. I hate hiking. I hate it. I'm never going to go again. But if I, if I help him up and we walk together and, and he knows it was just a fall, he gets back on. He says, okay, I'm all right. I'm all right. Wow, that was, I took a tumble. Wow. But I'm back on the path again. And I'm headed. And I'm headed. If we do that in the natural, in the spiritual, shouldn't we do that to people who have lost their way? What if we don't? Well, number one, God's going to use somebody else. Trust me. And you'll miss the blessing. Well, Ben, what if they don't repent? Because I know a lot of people, I've told them about Jesus and they don't repent. Well, you know what? At the end of the day, they've got to answer to God and that's far worse. That's far worse than, than, than your relationship on earth, don't you think? And that's what, that's what scares me because at the end of the day, lost people, they're going to be Lost. I want to see them saved. I want to see them walking victorious. I want to see them walking. We've got to be careful with our attitudes, church. As we move into a time of communion, guys, maybe you came here today and you just, man, you go, man, I, Pastor, I think I've had, I've had that attitude. I think I've, wow, I think I've had some of those attitudes. I think I've, Hey, can we do this? Can we do this? As we approach communion tonight, how about this? How about it be for us our commitment? Our commitment before God to obey his will and to surrender his will. To come and go, Lord, I'm committing to you to obey you and to love you. Will we do that tonight? Father, we thank you tonight for your word, and we thank you for learning from Jonah. And I know Jonah's in heaven going, hey, 
if it works, if it works, if it works, if it works, I want them to learn. Father, as we approach communion, God, it's a celebration. It's a celebration of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It's also for the believer. And Lord, I spoke some things tonight, and I, and I prayed that there would people who would jump in the pool. There's a lot of people who are just touching their big toe in the pool, and God, you're calling them to a full commitment. And maybe tonight's the night that they're saying, yes, I want a full commitment to God. I'm ready to surrender 100% to God. I'm ready to jump in. Come what may, whatever circumstances, I don't care. I love you, God, and I'm going to jump in the pool. With every eye closed and every head bowed, maybe that's you. Maybe that's you tonight. And maybe you're just needing a little encouragement and a little love. If that's you, can I just pray for you? You go, how, Pastor? I I just want you to raise your hand. Why do I have to raise my hand? Because I want to just pray. I want to pray that God will do what he wants to do in your life 100%, that you would jump in and you'd make that commitment to follow Jesus with all of your heart. And you would say to God, I'm tired of playing games. I'm ready to surrender all of me. God bless you, sister. Anyone else just saying right now, God bless you. Anyone else, I'm just going to pray for you. Just saying, I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I've given so many years to to other things. Tonight, I'm going to surrender to God once and for all. I'm not going to be disobedient like Jonah. I'm going to follow anyone else. All you got to do is lift up your hand so I can see you. Anyone else, I can pray for you. Father, I thank you for these hands that were raised, and I pray, God, they would jump in the pool. Tonight's the night they would commit, and as they partake in communion, that, Lord, you would do that work supernaturally. They'd jump in the pool. They'd say, God, to you, between you and them, I'm in. I surrender my will to yours. I commit my life to you. Whatever you want to do, I'm here. Whatever you want to do, I'm here. Use me, God, like never before, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.